Teaching Mums Limited is an executive coaching company specialising in education, parenting, homeschooling and updating the professional profile of mothers across the globe. Teaching Mums was made for mums by mums. We coach, train, empower, support and resource mums to take the next best step. Family, work, life, home, business, marriage, children, relationships, health, mental, emotional wellness. What is your next best step? Visit teachingmums.com today. Each mum, reach mum, teach mum. Good morning and welcome to Tune In Tuesday. So today's episode is about job interviews. Now in this current climate, I know that people have been furloughed, some people have lost their jobs, some people are now working from home who are not working from home, some people are thinking about working from home indefinitely because it just seems to work better for them. But as a professional mother, as a working mother, it's really important that you have really sharp interview skills. Now, I have worked with mums before on how to nail an interview. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of job interviews and I really have been working in some capacity since I was about 14 or 15 and the job interview is the most important part of the pending role for a number of reasons. So we're just going to go through a few tips, things that I have done that have worked and the jobs that I have been able to successfully secure and then talk about some of the other roles and where I was given really, really um, positive feedback but wasn't placed in the role, how I used the feedback from those interviews to build my profile and eventually start my own business. So let's talk. I have um, five points and these are the things we'll be looking at today. So the first one is role play. Okay, the second one is outfit. Third is skill set. Fourth, confidence. Fifth, do you want to work for these people? And sixth, why do they want you? So for the next 10 minutes, I will just talk to you about what each of these things mean. And this advice applies to mothers, okay? Um, especially if you are um, breastfeeding, you may decide to breastfeed for the first six to 18 months. I know some people breastfeed until their children are two or three years old. So that it will also be factored in the conversation today, you may decide not to return to work, but there'll still be a level of professional engagement even if you aren't working in the same capacity that you were before. So let's talk about role play. So the benefits of role play when it comes to job interviews is if you are able with um, a coach, somebody like me, 
on a video call or on a, you know, over the phone, just to walk through the interview mentally and then in a conversation, what you will find is not what you think you will say, but what you'll actually say. And then you can correct it. Because what happens is if you go to a job interview and you're not prepared, you just say the first thing that comes into your mind, which isn't necessarily the best thing. So you could role play. Um, if you're married, you can do it with your spouse. I would encourage you to get a um, professional on board. I think if it's a high, um, you know, high ticket job, if it's a six, seven figure job, in fact, if it's your first job, any job, I don't mean to sound redundant. I'm not saying that if it's not a well-paid job, you shouldn't prepare for the interview. What I'm saying is the, the amount of preparation has to be in direct proportion to what you're going to get out of the job. So if it's something that you're not keen on doing, A, don't even go for the job anyway, but B, it might just be easier for you to walk in there and explain what you want to do and walk out. But if you really, really want the job, just invest in preparing for the interview, okay? So role play, walk through some of the questions and what you may potentially say in response and then just get the person, I've done this with a few people that I know, get the person who's pretending to be the employer to ask you a few really hard questions because then you can prepare something. You don't necessarily have to go to the interview with flashcards, but you have a, an idea because you're a mum, you're already multi-talented, okay? So you have an idea of what you will say when you're in that interview room. The second thing is outfit. Now, if you are still um, breastfeeding, I'd encourage you to stay away from light colours because of um, leaks, um, which can happen, you know, at any given point in the day. When I was breastfeeding, I, I wasn't at work or at university, but I was still going out quite a lot. And because it was, it was you know, I'd become a first-time mum, I didn't know that, you know, you could suddenly just expel milk from your breast. I didn't know that could happen. So um, if you are still breastfeeding, I would say, of course, wear your nursing pads, wear a comfortable and secure bra, wear a camisole, and then your shirts or your top or whatever your out, outer layer of clothing is so that you have two layers. So if there is a leak, you have the nursing pads, put some spare nursing pads in your bag, you have your bra, and then you have your camisole, and then you have your um, final lane, then you maybe have a cardigan or a blazer or something on the top, depending on what your style is and how formal the interview is. And this is the same for a video interview, girls. This is the same if it's online, because of course in the video call, they can see everything um, down to your waist. So layer up if you're still breastfeeding. If you are not um, breastfeeding or expressing um, and you are quite busty, I would say wear something that is not going to gape um, so that you're not constantly adjusting your buttons every few minutes. I have this issue when it comes to shirts, so I will always try, if possible, if I'm wearing a fitted shirt, I will not have lots of layers underneath because layers underneath a fitted shirt looks really unpleasant and it's really uncomfortable. And the second thing is, you know, to wear a really good bra because it absolutely defines the shape um, of your bust and it's much more comfortable if you're wearing a really um, good bra 
and I don't need to sort of list where you can get them. I think, you know, you know, especially if you are sort of de decupping up, I'd really encourage if you are going to be in a role, that means you'll be wearing shirts a lot more. Really invest in a good shirt that doesn't gape and um, you're able to button up with ease. Okay. Um, I'm not so fussy about colours because I don't I don't think that you have to necessarily be conservative in an interview. And when I say conservative, I'm talking about, you know, muted colours, dark, that sort of thing. What what I'm trying to say is that you have to dress in a way that they will see you and think, oh, this is how this woman dresses. Not, oh my goodness, is this how this woman dresses? Unfortunately, that is taken into consideration. Now, if you're working somewhere where people wear jeans every day, that's fine, but don't wear jeans to the interview. I'm sorry. This is something that my mum has absolutely ingrained in me. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. If I worked somewhere where they were selling lingerie, I wouldn't wear lingerie to the interview. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So wear something that's going to enable you to be seen in your best light. Now, I have an hourglass shape. So there's certain things that I just wouldn't wear. Pencil skirts do not suit me. And I absolutely detest them with passion. Okay. Um, but some people love them. And the reason I don't like pencil skirts is because I have an hourglass shape. Of course, a pencil skirt just rolls up gradually <laughs> until it becomes a belt. Um, and I haven't found one that, that really suits me. But I do love pleats because I think they're incredibly flattering. I do love tapered, you know, trousers. I do love short trousers, you know, the ones just above the ankles and brogues and blazers. Those are the kind of things I like to, and I love dresses. So you, I'm not asking you to completely change your style for the interview. What I'm saying is they will see you before they hear you or speak to you. So if you're nursing, wear something that will accommodate um, breastfeeding, um, leakages and things like that. You may have to express before you leave or you may find somewhere quiet to express before you get home so that you have fresh milk when you get home. Wear something that will allow you to express milk um, from day to day at work or however you decide to do it. The third thing I want to talk about is skill set. Now, this is really controversial. And the reason I say it's controversial is because a skill set is subjective. Somebody can't tell me what I'm good at. They can't. It's impossible because they haven't known me long enough. They don't know me well enough. It's my responsibility to tell you what my skill set is. And I can tell you now my top five communication, language, verbal and written communication. It's really similar. So when I say communication, I mean verbal and written languages, which is really similar. Presentation leadership and conflict resolution those are my top five five agree or disagree but I always put that on my CV first and people will look at it and say well what do you mean that you are um skilled in languages and I can say to someone I can speak three three or four languages oh well what languages can you speak so your CV should tip people in a direction tilt, sorry, tilt um, people in the direction who want to speak to you because they'll think, well, why does she think she's so good at languages? And you can say, well, I was born in Ghana and I can speak Cree, 
I came to London when I was 10. I can speak English. I studied this at university. I can speak German. Or it may be the other way. Maybe you were born in Jamaica and then lived in America and then came to London. You know, it's really important that you are able to talk about what your skill set is. The reason I try to break up communication is because communication can also be... Um, it can also involve technology and social media. And so when I talk about communication, I will talk about podcasts. I do mean podcasts. I do mean um, emails, but I also mean speaking and engaging with people in presentations, where some people don't necessarily see it as the same thing. Somebody may be really good at sitting down in a room with five people and saying, look, you know, you're about to do your job and I really need to help you understand why. Those are good communication skills, but can you also talk to 10,000 people about what your vision and your dream is? It's not the same. So I think when you're talking about communication, it's really good just to break it down into categories. So I mentioned languages, I mentioned written, verbal, you know, letters, letters of complaint, those sorts of things, following things up on the telephone. Some people don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy it, but I am good at it. And then just talking about presentations, um, leadership skills, and the final one I think I mentioned was conflict resolution. Now, this is something that I've had to work on for many years. And um, people said to me that I'm quite abrasive and quite abrupt. And I think that's a good thing because people are not confused about how I feel about something. But the reason it's become so ingrained in me now is because I walked through many situations where I didn't speak up. And the direct fruit of that is that now... I just tell people what I think. So it works in the professional world because somebody might say to me, well, you know, you, you can't leave at 3.45 because you're supposed to work until 5. And I would just say, I can't work until 5 because I have to leave at 3.45. And I'm happy to work through my lunch and through my breaks. I'm happy to come in before 8 o'clock, but I have to leave at 3.45 because I have to be home for my family by 4.30. Was that abrasive? Possibly. Was it abrupt? Maybe. Was it true? Yes. Was I assertive? Yes. Was I exercising my rights? Yes. So I consider one of my skill sets to be conflict resolution because I've had people say to me, look, um, you know, I really didn't like the way that you did such and such a thing because we don't normally, we don't normally do that here and blah, 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 blah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I didn't realize that was an issue, but actually the reason I did it was because of this. In future, if you want me to do X, Y, and Z, can you just let me know a little bit earlier? Hmm. So I've tried that a few times at work when I was working in schools and lots of people didn't like it, but I, I didn't go and gossip about people behind their back. I just said to them, to their faces, actually, I don't really like that. And if you have a problem with me, just come and find me and we can talk about it. And the reason I consider that to be conflict resolution, because if it's not resolved after that, then we have to go to managers. And people might think I'm rude. And actually, that's their problem. But there's no point in being in a relationship, a working relationship with somebody, where they do whatever they want, and then you just put up with it, and then complain about them behind their back. So I always put conflict resolution on my CV, and employers will say to me, well, what do you mean? And I give them these examples. And sometimes, you know, their eyebrows go up and they think, oh, my goodness, she's one of those people. And if that means you don't want to employ me, then you don't deserve me. And so I'm encouraging you to work out what your top five key skills are. Put them at the top of your CV. And 
don't put so much information that they wouldn't need to meet you. Put just enough information on your CV to tickle their interest so that when they call you in, you can say, actually, I'm really good at, um, you know, time management or I'm I have really strong leadership skills or I have strong coordination skills. You have to be able to give reasons, which is why we don't lie on our CVs, because you may have to justify or explain what it is you do and why. The next one is confidence. I think skill set and confidence are linked. And I say that because if you don't know what your skills are, your confidence can be really, really low. And I'm telling you, I have been on a journey with levels of confidence where they have dropped, where they have surged, where I've kind of been indifferent about what I've been able to achieve. And I've had to, in so many cases, um, go into interviews without confidence and just do it anyway, which is really, really hard, which is why now I take so much time through these podcasts to build the confidence of mothers anywhere. You're probably overqualified for the job that you're doing. You're probably more skilled than what you're being paid to do at the moment. I'm not talking about being a mum, I'm talking about in the working world. And in order to help with um, your confidence, I'd encourage you to fill a blank page of paper or on your device with all the things you can do. And if you can do that, you can begin to say to yourself, wow, I'm a really good friend. I'm such a good cook. You know, I'm an amazing dancer. I love putting outfits together. I'm really stylish. I'm really um, good at sports. I love to swim. I have a fantastic relationship with my parents. I get along really well with my siblings. These kind of things, though it might seem unnatural to talk about yourself in that way, it will build your confidence. When you go into an interview, you're actually saying, you know, I'm actually really good at languages and I love to speak to people who look different to me. I'm really good at working with children. I'm fantastic with the elderly. I'm really confident in working with vulnerable people because I have such wide experiences of working with vulnerable people or people who have suffered from mental health issues. That's what the confidence does to you. It gives you this ease in conversation and dialogue and discourse in an interview, which is so attractive. It's so attractive because you know who you are. Now, if you're not there yet, please get in touch with me and book a session. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I will draw out of you who you really are. So when you are going back out into the professional world, even if you decide to start a business and you wanna go for a funding bid, just talking, in an open manner about what you have to offer because it's so much, it's so much that you have to offer. And you may think, oh, well, you know, I've been at home for five years. What could I possibly do now? You could, you could run a nursery, you could. You may need to upskill and qualify, get a management um, qualification because, you know, their level, some of the management qualifications are level seven. You'd have to do some studying, but it doesn't mean you wouldn't be able to do it. You could become a child minder. You could work from home. You could start a traveling book company. You could do so many things. So many things. Being a mum is like an instant all access pass to the rest of the world because you could do anything. 
because every day you wake up and you are feeding, nursing, consoling, strengthening, empowering your children every single day. You can do anything. So the last two points are, do you want to work with these people? Now, this is really important because this is where I've made my biggest mistakes in employment. Now, let me tell you why. So I've gone into interviews and I've looked at the managers and I knew instantly I do not want to work for these people. And I continued with the interview and then took the job. And of course, working for those people made me feel exactly the way that I felt in the interview room. But I ignored my gut. I ignored my natural leaning, went against my values, took um, employment from people that I did not like and knew I would not be able to work for. But because of fear of failing and not having a secure income, I took these roles. And I can guarantee you within a year, within 18 months, the very thing I saw in the interview happened to me in the workplace. I went to an interview a few years ago and it was two women and they they saw something on my CV and said, oh, that's really interesting. And I spoke to them about it and I had hardly finished speaking and they just talked me down. And it happened every day in that workplace for two years. So I'd really, really encourage you, ask yourself, do you want to work for these people? Do you want to give six hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours of your day away from your family, away from your passion, away from your loved ones, away from your parents, if you still live at home, and give to these people in exchange for money? Now, for some of you, the, the answer might be yes. They may be paying you two or 300,000 a year. And you might think, you know, for two or 300,000, I think I could put up with this. Good for you. But there may be some of you that think, oh my goodness, I am not prepared to be away from my family for six hours a day to work with these people. I just don't think I can do it. And then you decide. But the mistake that I made is that I had that feeling and I ignored it and it haunted me. And I knew I walked away and I knew they'd offer me the job and I knew that I shouldn't have taken it. I took the job and I was absolutely miserable. And, you know, women, we have something in us. Call it whatever you want, but I've got this pull in me. When I meet somebody, I think this is not it. This isn't it. And I now, at the age of 35, have confidence to say no to bullies, to people who are abusive, because it does show in the first few conversations if somebody's abusive. It's subtle, but it shows. To people who are manipulative, to people who are um, racist, people who do not give opportunities to mothers, Oh, I can spot them a mile away now. And I and I just say, I just say no, and I'd encourage you, role play, outfit, skill set, build your confidence. But ultimately, you have to want to work for this organization because they may be getting best part of your time until you retire. Maybe. Maybe. 
well, you're saying to me, Lulu, what if I really need a job? Then maybe take the job. But know the price you will pay if you go against your natural grain. The final question is, why do they want you? Why do they want you? What's going to be so different with you being in that organisation or on that team? Do you bring joy? Do you bring excitement? Do you bring laughter? Do you bring fun? Do you bring expertise? And what I've said to employers is that I'm highly skilled when it comes to organisation and languages. Those are my two top things. And the reason I keep bringing it up is because as a linguist, there's a part of my brain that just works in overtime. Okay, so, you know, you have the, the right and the left side of the brain. And the right side is associated with rationale and reasoning. And the left side is associated with art, but also language skills. So I'm not very strong in, you know, reasoning and, you know, mathematical systems. But when it comes to creativity and languages, I'm really, really strong. And so when I go into a meeting, I say to them, look, you know, I can speak a number of languages. And what this is about me is, is that I'm disciplined, motivated, self-motivated. I can work independently. I can work in a team. I can work um, abroad. I can read texts in other languages. I can introduce language system and culture within the school. I love working with minorities um, because I come from a minority back background. And it's important for me to engage with people from the similar background as me and empower them to move ahead of me. That's what I'm taking to interviews. Some people don't like that. And that's okay. But I have to tell them why they they would want me and how useful I will be. Am I going to save the money on outsourcing tutors for language clubs when I can run language clubs? Am I going to save them money on an office counsellor or a team um, advocate? Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? So what you're offering them has to be more appealing than what they already have provided you want to work for them. So if you're able to go through these few steps before every interview, you may only need to go for one. And you may decide to go for a few just to get your feet wet. But I'm telling you, if no one has ever told you, you can do anything. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Each mum, reach mum, teach mum. Have you left a review? I'd love to hear from you. I'd love your feedback. Send your comments, quotes, requests to lulu at teachingmums.com and leave a review. By leaving a review, it means that this podcast is able to reach hundreds and hundreds of mums just like you. The aim of the Each Mum, Reach Mum, Teach Mum podcast is to enable mothers across the globe to positively and safely develop their professional profile and their role at home in such a way that those quiet moments can be enjoyed just as much as the moments where 
we're juggling 45 things at once. Thank you so much for listening in today. I look forward to sharing with you again. Bye-bye.